It's Palm Sunday. 2,000 years ago, they welcomed Jesus in. They laid down their coats. They waved around the palm branches, waved them in the air like they just didn't care. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, if you need Jesus to come alive on the inside of you, Jesus to show up, can we just praise him in advance? We have him. They were waiting on a Messiah. We got him. He's with us. He's for us. Our word says that if he is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Can we thank the worship team setting an atmosphere of praise? Can we uh, welcome everybody online and particularly the men of Lansing Correctional? We love you so much. You guys can grab your seats. Now, I've got a few Palm Sunday's messages in my quiver. But uh, we're doing this thing this year, if you're new, uh, we're, we're, we're reading the Bible through in a year, and we're preaching based right off the passages we either just read or we're about ready to read. And I just had a, something stick in my heart. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts uh, of the Bible, favorite stories. And although it is not a, um, it's not a Palm Sunday message where they were, they, were, they were laying down their coats, this is actually about some people that were, were breaking an entry for Jesus, a B&E. How many got some friends? And if you were that friend, they got a little B&E history in their life. They, they broke in to get someone close to Jesus. And I think, I think it's going to speak. It spoke to me this week. I think it's going to speak uh, to your life, to your situation, and to your story. Now, I just got to handle some church business, which I know they already did, but I'm just going to elevate it. Um, at this service right here, if you are not bringing friends next week, I will see you at the 9 a.m. Because we're going to need the room for people far from God. And by the way, that was a trick question because you are bringing friends next week. You're bringing family. You're gonna look real good in your Sunday best. Wear a hat so big that four people behind you cannot see. It's your one day. And we're gonna have a great time in God's house. It is a resurrection season, amen? Amen. Can we jump into the word? Luke chapter five. One day, Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, they showed up this day. Jesus had been teaching for a few days, but this was the day they came. They were going to check Jesus out. They were going to raise their eyebrow at Jesus. They were going to try to validate, but really to discredit Jesus. And they came from every village of Galilee and all of Judea, all the way from Jerusalem. They showed up in the house. And the power of the Lord, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, but they could not find a way in. Why? The crowd was, was too great. So then, this is crazy, they didn't stop there. They went up to the roof, and then they, Mark's gospel says, they, they, they tore open the roof, and then they lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right at the feet of Jesus. I love this. When Jesus saw their faith. I don't know, anyone can say faith, but faith is seen in our actions and behaviors in our, our attitudes. When Jesus saw their faith, he said first and foremost to the man, hey, friend, I love Jesus says this, my friend, as broken as you are, as, as the current status of your soul, you're my friend, Jesus, friend of sinners. You are, your sins are forgiven. Well, this stirs up the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow? Such a, 
That's such a Pharisee word. Who's this fella? Who's this fellow? Who, 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 who does he think he is? Uh, he, he's speaking blasphemy. And only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, I love Jesus. He doesn't even hear them audibly. He knows what they're thinking. Just going to pause there. You think you're hiding stuff and putting on a face in church? Come on. Jesus can hear the thoughts. Jesus sees everything. No, no, let the Holy Spirit conviction change you today. He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or a demonstration outwardly of the power of God to get up and to, to walk? But I want you to know that I've come here to change the inside world and the outside world. I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go on home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. This message, I honestly, has been speaking to me this week. I think it's going to be speaking to you, speak to our church. We're going to talk today about remove your roof. What is the limiting factor that is stopping you from closeness to Jesus? What's that resistance you are facing that is hindering you from, from everything God wants to do in, in your life? What is stopping you from stepping into what God has designed for you? Maybe it's some shame. Maybe it's some secrets. Maybe it's just struggle that's holding you back from God's, God's best in your world. We're going to remove, we're going to remove the roof. Because faith, faith needs to take some action steps. Jesus saw their, their faith. And he had some friends that would not take no for an answer. I love that. You know, here at Kingdom City, you might not have those friends in your life. You're around those kind of friends. We're not going to let you say no to everything that God wants to do. Every bit of closed doors or resistance, we're going to tell you, hey, keep going. God is with you, and God is for you. Amen. Can we pray? Would you join me in prayer? God, we kick off this holy week, uh, something set apart for you. We want you to do something new. And the resurrection and the power of Jesus is still alive today for every single one of us. So, Lord, we don't come for a religious celebration. We want to deepen our relationship. We want to become more like Jesus. So our minds are open, our ears are ready to hear, our hearts are alive, not to learn more, but to grow to become more like Jesus. Every hindrance in our life that we feel is holding us back, we think of Jesus at your feet, you have the power to change everything. And so we're gonna choose to take some action steps of faith today to remove the roof over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Every one of us have something that's a limiting factor in our life. In fact, the more you believe for God to do something big, I believe the more resistance and barriers you're going to find. If, in fact, if you don't have something that seems impossible to achieve in your life, you are not trusting God at the highest level. I believe every one of us as believers, we should be contending for something honestly, so almost crazy that we have to have God show up. We need his power that we find with him and connectivity to him for in order for this thing, this God thing, to actually be accomplished. And these men, these men brought their friend. And they brought their friend, and as they come to the front door, they find that it's packed. In fact, there's a line outside the door. They cannot get in. And normally, I think most of us would say, if I don't have access granted immediately, it must not be my time, my opportunity. But they have a different kind of faith a remove the roof kind of faith. 
where they decide, you know what? Let's just take it one step further. And they take it a step further. They take some steps up the stairs. And now what do they do? Well, let's go one step deeper. Let's actually dig in a little bit. Let's put our hands to work for what we believe our heart is desiring. And then let's, let's place this person at the very feet of Jesus. They chose to remove the roof, the limitations, the struggle through their persistence that was birthed out of a faith in the goodness of God and the power, the power of, of Jesus. She says when Jesus saw their faith, an inward belief that led to an outward action. The Bible says that you don't really have faith and that the faith is at work. There's some, not just something you're believing about scripture, but you're putting some sweat into it. You're desiring it so much that you're taking decisions and making, making decisions and taking steps to see it come to pass. Now, I believe this, you've heard this said before, but, but a faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. So anyone could say they believe something, but until they actually step in and make decisions based on that belief, it's not then authenticated. In other words, it's not real. Like faith, I think in order to have faith, you actually need a problem in your life. Because if everything is going just great, what would you need to believe for more? Like if everything was working out, then, then you wouldn't need a, a greater trust in God. And this is why God doesn't allow everything to work out immediately. Do you know that? He's actually wanting you to have the reward of the resistance. He actually desires not to make like difficulty, but to use the difficulties of his life to help you unlock and walk in the destiny that he's prepared for you. So if you're facing some problems, some things that you've been believing for, that is a good sign that God has actually got you in the position and the place. And that as you push in to the adversity, you're going to receive something substantial in your belief and in your trust. Jesus sees their faith. And I think faith really is only alive and active when you're facing a problem. Because a problem that you need God to solve requires a trust that, 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 that is going to be demonstrated to, to the world around you. You can say it this way. Faith requires friction. Faith requires resistance. Friction is the resistance of, of one surface or object coming up against another object. As it encounters it, it creates this this resistance, this, this friction. This is the way our brakes work, right? Our brakes slow down our car because there's some frictions there. When your brakes get worn out and they make that little whistle noise and you're afraid to pull up by your friends because you haven't got your brakes fixed, that's a sign that the resistance is, wear, is wearing off. That, that's not a good thing. But we actually need resistance in life. Do you know that? You, to take a step, you're, you're, you're taking a step of one object to another, that, re, that requires resistance. For all of you that are taking notes, the hundreds of you taking notes right now, I speak by faith because I want you to grow. Your pen doesn't work without resistance. Your faith doesn't really work unless there's something pushing against it. So if there's an obstacle in your life, you can actually identify that as an opportunity for your faith to be fulfilled. For something working against you means that God is working something for you. That's, that's what I believe about, about our, our faith. It's there in order for something to be useful or to be beneficial. And this passage is filled with frictions. There's a friction of the Pharisees and the scribes judging Jesus. The haters have turned up this day to stop Jesus or discredit Jesus. 
By the way, if you're in a season, you've been believing God, and there's some voices that used to be around you that all of a sudden they aren't for you anymore, that might be a good sign that God's about ready to do something great. Because sadly, even other believers don't always acclaim and cheer for people that are believing God to do more in their life. And there's this friction, there's this problem of a full house and no access, no entry, no easy way in. And your destiny will have some detours and some dilemmas uh, by design in order for God to develop a greater character so that you can have a greater calling. So everyone can praise God for a moment. If you're facing an obstacle right now, it's because God is actually trying to grow your faith. God is actually trying to get you to remove the roof so you can get closer to him so you can experience the blessing and the breakthrough that comes in participation and connectivity with the goodness of God. Faith requires friction to grow. So you need to change your mindset about delays and closed doors in your life. If there are no problems, there will be no progress in your faith. And if you want to remove, your fa- you want to remove the roof and grow your faith, you got to start looking at the problems as possibilities. In other words, when I've come to the end of my own ability, I'm now in the place that only God can make this possible. That is the place that God has designed and desired for you to live. The Bible says without faith, we can't, we can't please God to live a life that's, that's significant, a life that matters. It requires us to have this faith. And faith is only seen in the frictions or the closed doors of life. See, faith can see a potential in a problem for God to get involved. This is why you need a greater dream for your family. You're not just trying to stay married. You're trying to thrive in marriage. That's why you're not just trying to raise your kids and get them out of the house. You want to launch them into destiny and purpose and hopefully a four-year scholarship to a school in Jesus' name. This is why you're not just working a job to get a paycheck. No, no, you're in that place to bring more of heaven to earth. Like we're believing for the more, and with that will come some, some barriers. There's no room in the house. It's even backed up outside the door. And I think I love these friends because these friends, their names aren't in here, but, but they're heroes in the faith. The friends, uh, the friends of this man, the four guys say, you know what? The door's closed. There's no room. We can't get to Jesus. Well, we've come this far. Maybe we should just try a, a little bit more. Uh, you ever had that crazy friend in high school or college? It's like, you know what? I know what we're going to do. We're going to do something that absolutely makes no sense at all. And for whatever reason, you bought into that. And like that crazy friend's like, let's go up on the roof. Let's go up on the roof. And they're like, oh, okay, this, this isn't our house. Uh, but you know what? Let's go. You seem like you have a plan. It's like, yeah, I got a plan. You do. No, he doesn't. He has no plan. Zero plans. And they're, okay, they're up on the roof. Now what? It's like, you know what? Let's destroy some property. Let's dig up this roof. Mark's gospel says they dug, they dug a hole in the roof. Like, let's dig this up. By the way, this is likely Simon Peter's house. If there was one disciple you did not want to mess with, it was, he was cutting people's ears off. But they said, you know what? We've come this far. Let's just, we're already crazy. Let's just get crazier. This is already weird. We're dragging a person that cannot walk to put him at the feet of Jesus because we have this faith that he might be made whole. We've already come this far. Why not come a little farther? Do you remember when your faith was a little more audacious? Do you remember when you had a little bit more passion about bringing people close to Jesus or getting closer to Jesus yourself? Do you remember when you used to cut stuff out of your life because it was distracting you from your time with God? 
when you were living a little weirder than you might be living right now, when you were acting a little weird, faith is a little crazy. It's a little, it's a, it just doesn't make sense. Okay, let me just say this. I don't have the time maybe to take this tangent, but I'm taking the liberty. We believe that coming this Friday, that 2,000 plus years ago, a, a Jewish rabbi died on a cross. He made zero mistakes in his life. And he was the son of God. He was, he was conceived immaculately. And he died for our sins. And because of that sacrifice, we're forgiven. We weren't there, but we believe it. Not only that, listen, this gets weirder. And then on, uh, like a day and a half later, the Bible says it's like three days. Like the Friday night, all day Saturday, and then Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. Whoa. If you can believe that, what can you not believe about your God? That is the foundation of our faith. We do not have faith. We do not have forgiveness. We do not have a life with God if we don't believe that. And if you can get to that through that door, then why can't you climb up on a roof or two? Then why can't you remove the roof or two? Then why can't you tear some stuff up again and agitate your status quo mentality to believe for a God that might have more in store for you? If he gave his one and only son, will he not give you every good thing that you've been believing for? And of course he does it with delay and he does it by design because God's into our development. He's into your development. And there's just some crazy people in the Bible. A shepherd boy says, I'll take that giant on. And Saul's like, cool, here's the armor. He's like, no, I don't need any of that. What do you need? I've got a slingshot. <laughs> he didn't even have stones. He had to go pick those things up. But he was crazy enough to believe that if he obeyed God, giants would fall. People would be liberated. The Bible's got some crazy people in it. And I just believe here at Kingdom City, we're not wacky or wild. We just are audacious enough to take God at his word. And then if the promise, we talked about this last week, the promises of God are the yes and amen in Christ, then I might need to believe some bigger promises in my life. And it starts with having just to, 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 to raise the roof, to, limit, to, to, to remove the roof over your life. You just need to get a crazier perspective about God's plan and God's power. I love James. Jesus is his brother. He, he writes this. This, I've, I've shared this before, but this is like, this is one of the craziest things you can ever believe. It is so anti the world's mentality. But have me know, the beginning of getting to the end of the world's wisdom is God's way. It, it, this is the culture of the kingdom of God. It says, consider it pure joy. Be excited. Be, be joyful. Uh, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith, the friction in your faith shows that it's real. It produces what? It produces a perseverance. Well, that's I don't like the problems and I don't like the trials, and no one really likes perseverance. Uh, no one wants to, to keep going when it's difficult. But he says, no, 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 let per perseverance finish its work. In other words, God works through the resistance and your faith. When you keep going, something great is happening. It says so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Greek word there literally means you will be made whole. Where you've been empty, you need to persevere. 
where the resistance against your life is wants you to give up, feeling like it's futile in your faith. No, God actually has a reward for you called wholeness. That's what happens to this man. He's made whole inside and outside because they are willing to see this, this, this delay, this closed door, this roof that needs to be torn open. They're willing to see it as an opportunity to trust Jesus more. See, frictions in our life, problems in our life, they actually develop our faith and it produces a wholeness and a health that you cannot get without hard situations. So you could start delighting in the dilemmas, the delays, and the detours and closed doors of your life. Why? God has designed them or God has allowed them in order to develop you into someone who is whole and complete. He's trying to complete the process of your faith. So we start seeing old problems and new struggles as a new opportunity to get an elevated perspective of what God might be doing in our life and through our life. It, it says, it's, they say that necessity is the mother of all invention. In other words, if you gotta have something, you're gonna figure it out. I think as a believer, it should be the tenacity is necessary to access every God opportunity in your life. You just need to get your resilience back. Maybe it's been beaten out of you the last three years, or maybe the, the home you grew up in, nobody ever believed in you, or maybe just the, the dream for your marriage or for your business always just seems to be a little bit off. You need to get a little tenacity and understand that if I will, won't take no for an answer, but I'm gonna believe the yes of God over my life, and I keep going even in the midst of adversity, God's gonna do something whole in me. He might not do everything I thought he would do, but ultimately he's gonna do his will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. In other words, it is better than what you had planned. This guy just wanted to be healed. God forgave him and healed him. God was doing something greater despite the friction and the resistance. Just this unwillingness to quit, to stay in the wrestle like Jacob did until God changes everything. So what do they do? They got a closed door, so they said, okay, let's go. Let's go a little, a little higher. Hebrews chapter six, it teaches about this, this boldness that we can have. Hebrews six is don't become spiritually dull or indifferent. Listen, if that speaks to your status of your spirit right now, that is not for you. If the hardships of life and the resistance of life have, friction of life has dulled you down and you become a little apathetic or indifferent, you need to get your faith back. It says, you know, you have to follow this, this example of those who are going to inherit the promises of God. In other words, everything God has designed for them, they're going to get. Why? Because of what their faith and endurance. One translation is faith and patience. There's a full house. The opportunity is, is occupied. Other people got in. I haven't gotten mine. God bless that person who's on the motorcycle back there. <laughs> They are running from you, God. Bring them back for Easter. <laughs> the, the, the house is full. There's no way in. And they said, oh, you know what? We're not just going to wait here. We're going to do something. Let's climb up on the roof. Let's, let's elevate our, our perspective. These four men, they're trying their best to be problem solvers, but they cannot bring lasting solution. They needed a savior to step in. This says, we've got them this far, but we've got to get them closer to the feet of Jesus. And now listen, Jesus is not in a room only. He's not in a house in Galilee or Capernaum. He's not just in heaven. No, he's here with us. He's here. 
So if you wanna see a, a resurrection and a renewal in your faith, if you wanna see the roof get raised or, or, or removed over your life, the key to your breakthrough isn't just keep grinding, it's actually go closer to Jesus. Listen, if you wanna remove your roof, listen, get to the feet of Jesus. Get to the feet of Jesus. It's like we've come this far and we've been resilient, but we cannot raise this man up from brokenness into wholeness. Only Jesus can. And every time, listen, again, Jesus is not in a house in Israel. He's here and on the inside of us. Every time we read the word and every time we pray persistently and every time we worship and when we pause some other things in our life because we're serious about the spirit of God speaking to us, we are sitting ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And at the feet of Jesus, it's not just peace in the moment, oh, that shows up, but there's the power of God to do something that you could not do in your own ability. He's in here. James 4 says if we draw near to God, he's right there. If we come closer to him, he's even closer. If we pursue, if we seek, if we knock, if we ask, we will find. It will be open. We will receive. There's just something about I'm not settling for Jesus feeling at a distance. I'm going to get too close to his feet as as possible. You want to remove the roof in your life? Close the gap. If you were ever more fervent in your faith than you are right now, you got to get back to where you belong. You belong at the feet of Jesus. You might get a little Bible knowledge, or maybe some hard knocks in life have kept you away, or maybe things are working good. Well, that's why you need a bigger God dream that will force you to get in the presence of God, because that's where you're going to not only find answers, you're going to find solution. You're going to find healing. You're going to find renewal. You're going to be made made whole. I think about the stories of the gospel of the two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha's running around staying busy in activity, but Mary the worshiper. Martha's the worker, Mary's the worshiper. And yeah, there's things to do for God. Aren't you grateful for the team here at Kingdom City? How about Kingdom Kids? How about the production, the worship team? Those serving our junior high students right now. Those that set up, those that tear down, they're awesome. They're getting work done. But I tell you, we cannot just do work and activity for the kingdom. we got to learn to perceive the presence of Jesus and be at his feet. And so Martha sits down there and Jesus says, no, no, that won't be taken from you. That's the right posture because in that place, healing, wholeness, restoration happens right there. And these four men, they make a bold move to break through the roof of somebody else's house. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, let us therefore what? Come boldly. Get bold again. Come boldly. What are we coming into? It says the, the throne. The throne room. What happens in the throne room? Pardons, judgments, promotion happens in the throne room. It says that we can receive, if we enter in boldly, what do we receive? We receive mercy. We receive grace, supernatural empowerment, unmerited favor for our time of need. What you need in your time of need, you find in the presence of God. You find at the seat of his kingdom. You find at the steps of his throne. You find it at the feet of Jesus. And you can come boldly, why? Because you're that great? No, you're not. Because Jesus boldly said yes to the cross, we can come boldly into his throne. So we don't have to be timid, wondering, God, are you with us or are you for us? He has proven it at the cross, on Calvary's cross. He's already said, access granted, it's all yours. This is a new covenant I'm giving to you, that you can come just as you are, but as you come just as you are, you will not stay the way that you came in. 
You're gonna receive mercy that covers you. And you're gonna receive unmerited favor to move you forward in your life. The grace is there if you'll come boldly. These four men came boldly into Jesus, dropped them at his feet, and everything changed. Some of you, you're, good, you're gifted. I think every one of you are gifted. Some of you have uh, maybe some more natural talents, maybe some more education. Maybe you grew up in church like I did. Come on, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a third gen. My grandpa was a pastor, my dad, pastor, my mom's a missionary. By the way, shout out mom and dad, we love you. Um, both my brothers are pastors. Full on genetic disorder. And that joke always kills, always kills. And you can tell people that have been in our church in a while, they laugh at that joke because I tell it all the time. I think for some of us, because maybe we grew up in the faith, that we're actually some of the people that have the least amount of faith. Because we have forgotten that we didn't belong here. We were brought here. We, we came in on a mat. Someone brought your grandma to church. Someone shared Jesus with your husband and he shared it with you. Someone, someone at a workplace brought you along for the journey prayed for you when you didn't even see them. They were believing for you. They were carrying you to the feet of Jesus. And so when we sometimes get a fresh revelation of the fact that this is not a reward of living a good life, this is the free gift of God's grace, it changes our perspective when we realize we were all once on the mat and we needed a Jesus encounter to change every, everything. And get out of your own natural effort and get a bigger dream and start to remove the roof and limitations off your life and listen, on the lives of others. If you wanna supercharge your faith, how many would say, I would want a radical, world-changing faith? Come on, I'm asking you a question today. How many want a faith that moves mountains? Not that just makes it into eternity. Praise God for that. How many wants a faith that your kids follow and take it farther than you did? How many want a lineage, dynasty kind of living for the glory of God faith? You want to supercharge your faith, don't just think about your own roof and your own lid and your own doors closed and your own limitations. Don't just look out for yourself. Lift the lid for someone else. Because the way that the world works, which, by the way, doesn't work, it's a lie that if you look out for you, you're going to get yours and don't worry about anybody else. But the way the kingdom operates is that those that look out for others get everything that God has for them. That's why Jesus says, if you seek the kingdom primary, first in your life, not just seek things for your life, no, seek him first, live for him first, honor him first. Jesus says, you cannot love me and not love people, loving other people first. You're living for that bronze medal, right? It's Jesus gets the gold, others get the silver, and I'll settle for the bronze. If you live for third place now, you'll live in eternity with everything that God has designed you for. And life on earth will be significantly, radically different as you live for his kingdom. And when we live that way, which is the way we live here at Kingdom City Church, why? Because we're building people that bring heaven to earth. It's not about just heaven helping me. It's about me being the hand of heaven to help humanity all around me. When we live to live for someone else in this principle of the kingdom, as I serve others, guess what? God's gonna serve me. The Bible says that when you refresh someone else, Proverbs 11, you get refreshed. When you're worn out, but you still love and serve anyway, God rewards you. When you lend to the poor, you, God is the one that repays you. We see this in Philippians chapter two. This outpouring of humility brings new authority, new opportunity, new domain, new dominion. 
Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Because honestly, Paul just has like bars and this is like poetic and powerful. It's amazing. But we often skip over this part in the beginning. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out, be on the lookout of how you can lift a lid for someone else. Be on the lookout for what is better for others. Goes on to say, have the same mindset as Jesus. Think the way that Jesus thinks, who left the authority and the splendor and the beauty of heaven. He says he did not seem, think that equality with God was something to use for his own benefit. What? But he humbled himself in service of other people, even taking death, even a death on a cross. And because that outpouring of humility, the Bible says he got a new authority. He, he then became elevated to the name above every name, and at that name, everything had to bow. In the heavens and on the earth, he has it all. Why? He took the posture of humility, and the reward was God promotion on his life. If you have a lid over your life, if you have a roof that you can't get uh, through, if you have a door that seems like it's always stuck, start looking around for other people to lift the lid and remove the roof for them and watch and see that there's a special grace of God that comes to the humble that choose to serve, that God will then begin to promote your life to places you can never get with your own ability or your own empowerment. So be like, to be like Jesus who has this authority. Why? Because of a spirit of humility. So when we love people, serve people, and this is a week to do it, we all know that, you know, we call the Christmas and Easter Christians, that some of you used to be them, and then you got tired of just being stuck in life, and you got planted in God's house, and you're going you're gonna to flourish. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people far from God. You really want your faith to move forward, get your heart as in tune with God's heart as possible. Well, what's my purpose in life? Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? What was Jesus' purpose? Seek and save the lost. Like go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Baptize people. Bring change to others. And when you start doing that, that's kingdom first. Everything you need, every job opportunity, every roof you need lifted, every door you need open, God will handle it. When you get your heart in tune with his heart, this is why we don't exist for a nice little church. And by the way, I don't need more people to show up next week to validate my preaching or my leadership. We exist. Why? We have a, a city to reach and a kingdom to build. We've got a heaven to populate and a hell to plunder. Do we not believe what I just said about Jesus and his cross? Do we not believe that is the only way to life with God, life everlasting, a life rich in meaning, a life that satisfies the soul? It's through Christ. And this is why we take ownership of God opportunities. Let the weight of this passage hit you for a moment. Am I being too harsh? Okay, four people. I gotta come on preach. I got three minutes. Is that okay, three more minutes? Seven of you, it's 21. Okay, 21 minutes. Second Corinthians 5, verse 20. So we are, listen, this is you, this is you. It's not the church in Corinth, it's as true to them as it is to us. We are Christ ambassadors. You carry the blanket, you and some friends, of someone broken, someone not yet receiving the forgiveness that's already theirs if they would just receive it by faith. You're Christ's ambassadors. God is making, listen, his appeal to humanity through us. Whew. Man, I wouldn't choose me. I don't think I'd choose you. 
you're God's choice. Something bigger than you. Something bigger than the promotion you're trying to get, the relationship you want to see work. We're talking about the eternal things. And when you live for those things, God will make sure relationships come into order. It won't be perfect, but he'll perfect you. The moves you're desiring to make in your, in your business or for your family, he'll direct your steps. But we get in tune with him, we realize we're Christ's ambassador. He's making his appeal for us. When we, I love this word, plead. We're like, oh, I'm just gonna send a little text. That's great, start there, and then plead. Plead for people to come back to God. Someone was pleading for you or someone in your family. For generations, 2,000 years to this day, people were contending for the kingdom of God through sacrifice, through closed doors, through going up in elevated places, from digging through roofs, from dropping people at the feet of Jesus. People have been posturing themselves in the spirit of humility so that all of humanity could know the goodness of our God. And now it's our time. In this world of getting canceled for living for Christ, I'm not for living for this world. We're in this world. Guys, you are not of this world. We're believing for the thing that is yet to come. When one day God renews all things, we want to make sure that every one of our neighbors and every one of our friends and every one of our family members and every one of our strangers around us, when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit, we live as ambassadors for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Your sins have been settled on Calvary's cross. There's resurrection power in life for you. You do not have to carry the weight of all your mistakes. Jesus has already paid for it. This is what we do. If you haven't shared your faith in a while, you might need to remember you used to be on a mat. You, Jesus met you when you're on a mat. I love that he says, get up and take your mat with you. You don't have to leave it here. You don't need it, but you're taking it with you. So everyone that sees you when you go home, everyone sees you in your house, everyone sees you walk there, you're walking now and you're forgiven now but you still have this reminder of what you were before you were at the feet of Jesus. In the same way, some of your greatest places of misery will become your greatest places of ministry. Because as you choose to get a little weird in your faith and believe and contend, to step into the resistance, to, to, to tear open the roof or remove the roof over your life, to get at the feet of Jesus, start loving and sharing Jesus with other people, the thing that is your pain point right now will be something God will use in the future to point others to Jesus. He, even your own mistakes that have caused you dilemmas and struggles, God will allow those things to be used for his glory. When you get a testimony on the other side of the trial that you're in, that God met you in your broken place and he healed your inside world and he's beginning to restore your outer life. We gotta have this whatever it takes mentality. We don't make excuses anymore. Oh, the door's closed. No, we go higher. We rip the roof off. We get people as close as possible because we're populating heaven this week and every week, by the way. When you start doing it, you can't stop it. Once you pop, you can't stop. Was that Pringles? <laughs> Once you bust out of your insecurity and this fear of man and you live in the reverential awe of God as Christ ambassador, you cannot stop that. And the enemy will try to stop you. That's why you're facing the resistance you're facing. He does not want you fully alive in your faith. He doesn't want you continuing for more. Oh, we're gonna stay married. No, he wants your marriage to prosper. He wants your kids to change the world. He wants your work life to thrive because you're a minister with a message that matters everywhere that you go in this messed up world. 
once you break out of this, and we're breaking out this week, all of heaven's gonna start busting into your life because what? We're removing the roof, the limitations. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna receive communion together. You can start making all that noise that the communion things make. Did you guys get anything good out of today? Are you ready for resurrection revival? It's gonna be a special, it's not a special Sunday, it's a special season we're stepping into. I wanna share this, we, we filled out these cards, um, man, a month ago, month plus, and uh, we've been praying over them. And what, what's on here is just, hey, who are, you, who are you believing to know Jesus? We just wanted that act of faith, just write it down, let's pray over it. And we prayed over every card, countless times, hundreds of people have prayed over these cards. And there's thousands of people on these cards. But this one got me. We had a Kingsman prayer uh, right here uh, yesterday morning. And I was reading through this one. It just, it got me. It excited me. It challenged me. And it's by a guy named Steve. Steve's got, he doesn't go for three people. He goes for three families. I like Steve. He's thinking generations. Steve says, my brother's family. Steve says, my other brother's family. Steve goes, my cousin's family. And right over there, he's like, salvation in their house. Salvation for them. Salvation for their family. I like a guy like Steve that fills up the whole card. But you know what got me? Not that he was believing for three families. That's beautiful. It got me because he's in Lansing watching this right now. Someone whose past mistakes seem like they've so limited their life. But there's a door they literally can't get out of. It does not stop him from contending to bring heaven to earth for other people. He's like, man, if I had the kind of freedom to go tell them face to face, I would. But all I can do right now is I can pray. I get my church family to pray. And Steve, we are praying salvation for your family, salvation for the people you're contending for. We are praying. But if that person with such limitations on their life is leaning so much into salvation season, how much more should we hear that for freedom's sake, we have been set free and not for ourselves for the world around us. Guys, we're dabbling in the eternal. That's what we believe. So let's live like what we believe. There was a barrier between you and Jesus, between you and God. And Jesus, he didn't just like kind of move it over for a moment. He ripped it in half. He ripped open the roof that was holding you back from the love of God and in your sinful state. Matthew 27 says there was a veil in the temple. The Holy of Holies was hidden in that place. One time a year, the high priest got to go in. That was it. And on that day, that day where the high priest was there, our high priest hung on a cross. And when he said, it is finished, the earth began to shake and the veil was forever torn. He was changing things on earth and changing the status of access granted to heaven. And he removed the veil once and for all. That's why, Hebrews, we can boldly enter the throne room of grace. We don't have to clean up in a bath. We can come as we are. But there was a barrier. It's been forever removed. Jesus has paid the price. So we kick off Holy Week with this remembrance. We didn't deserve this. It's impossible to earn. But what a gift we have received. There's no more roof between us and God. We can sit at the feet of Jesus. We can fulfill the mission.
generation of Jesus. We can live a life of significance because of the sacrifice he's made. Let's hold up the bread. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your life. We thank you for your forgiveness. You forgave us. You chose to go first and say, I forgive you before we ever said I was wrong. Why we were still sinners, you died for us. Let us never take that for granted. If we've been following you for years or generations of our family have followed you, we don't want to take it for granted that we were once on a mat and we were broken and we were unforgiven and then we came to you. Actually, you came to us. Someone helped carry us in. Someone shared the faith. Someone prayed for us. And then we met Jesus who forgave us and now he's fixing us. And so we fix our eyes on you the author and the finisher of our faith. Despite the resistance we might be facing, you will complete what you started. Dreams will come to pass. Favor will fall. Blessing and fulfillment will be in our lives as we live for you. So thank you for tearing the roof apart, tearing the veil in half. And it was your body that was broken, that broke down the barrier between God's everlasting love and our lives. Let's receive the bread. poured out a glass of wine in his last meal with his followers, his disciples. He said, hey, just like this cup, I'm pouring it out and you're taking a portion of it. This is like my life. It represents my blood. It's like my life source. It's been poured out. Where you were empty, you can now live full. Where you were unforgiven, you can now be forgiven. Where we once did not have grace, it's now on ample supply for you when you want it. Step into the throne room. It's yours. Jesus, we thank you for your life for your blood that offers us the forgiveness of sins. On this Good Friday, we celebrate that sacrifice, but we can live in the benefits of your decision, of your obedience, right here, right now. For every broken area of our life, I thank you, your blood is at work. It's more than enough. Where we are sick, it says that the stripes that you bore have given us health and healing. We can live in that wholeness because of you. And you poured it out for us. And so in response to people being made full, by this life-giving grace, we're gonna make sure we pour it out on your benefit and on your behalf for those that are around us. Let this week be a week where we don't take no for an answer. We don't allow closed doors. We don't allow excuses to stop us. We're gonna go a little higher. We're gonna see every problem as an opportunity for you to do something greater. Lord, help us stay at your feet and bring others with us this week. And Lord, I thank you that when we lift, live to lift the lid of others, you're gonna set us on a new trajectory for your goodness and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, let's receive the cup. Stay in this moment of prayer. In fact, can you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is not a religious thing. This is just to create some, some sanctuary for some people in this room. People in this room, by showing up today, maybe a friend brought you, maybe you've been coming for a while, you're right now at the feet of Jesus. And when you look to him, you're gonna find there's not only, not only a little bit of hope that you feel in this moment, but there's actually forgiveness. And there's a new way to live, not broken anymore, but being made new. But you gotta receive that for yourself. In fact, that communion moment, if you're not a believer, if he's not first in your life, it's just a, it's honestly the world's worst snack. <laughs> but for those that have received salvation, it's the most amazing meal. It satisfies our soul. It grows us, it matures us, it changes us. 
But if you need to make a change where Jesus hasn't been first or if you've never given your heart to him, you don't have to wait till Resurrection Sunday. You can receive it right now. The roof, the barrier, the veil, it's been removed. How do we receive it? We receive it by faith. We just put our trust in him. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess in your mouth. In other words, we pray a prayer. We're gonna pray it all together as one big family of faith. But this prayer for you is significant because it's setting you free from your yesterday and you're saying yes to the goodness of God. You're saying yes to forgiveness and you're saying yes to being made whole. If that is you with no one looking around, I'm not gonna single you out. But I think there's an act of humility that God desires for you when you say yes to him. If that is you and you need to start a relationship, receive the gift for the first time, or you need to come back home to putting him first. If that is you, it's resurrection time for you. We just raise your hands and Pastor God, that's me today. I need a new beginning in Christ. I see you, two of you, three of you, four of you, five of you, six of you, seven, I see you, ma'am. Eight of you, that's awesome, that's awesome. Nine, I see you in the very back. I see you, sir. There's 10 plus people here today. Maybe that's you online. Maybe that's you at Lansing. Now we're gonna pray a prayer. And this is, this is a holy moment, but this is a celebration moment. The Bible says all of heaven celebrates when just one son returns, one daughter returns home. And we're coming home, and we're coming home carrying the mat, the misery, the mistakes that we used to be on. Now we're not only over it, we carry it with us as a testimony of the world around us. We can lift up our head and open our eyes because this is a celebration moment, amen? Come on, can we say this? Come on, church family, with our, our friends, our now family. They're praying this for them for the first time. Say this with me. Say, dear God. I believe you love me. Despite all my mistakes, despite all my sin, you love me. You love me so much that you sent your best. You gave me Jesus. He died on the cross. He paid the price. All of my sin and shame, it's dead. But my Jesus, he is alive. I, he has resurrection power at work in my life. I am forgiven. I am set free. I can get up now and go on with Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Church, let's celebrate. How good is God? We're so proud of you. Come on, give it up for our friends. That's beautiful. Amazing.